0: Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Well, I want to thank Mike Moody, our host, for turning the host seat over for just a few minutes today. Uh, We've got a couple of special guests in, and we're going to spend a few minutes talking about the Farm Bill. Um, Next year, 2023, will be a Farm Bill year. For our farm listeners out there, those that follow Farm Policy know that every five years, we start gearing up for um, kind of the playbook for agricultural policy for the next five years. Um, This Friday in Michigan will be the first Senate uh, field hearing for the Farm Bill, so we thought it'd be a good time to kind of talk a little bit about uh, what to expect this time with two of our Farm Bill experts here today, William Green and Carla Hornady. Um, They are serving in a Farm Bill Working Group with the American Farm Bureau Federation and uh, have been in that role for a couple of months now, attended several meetings in person and virtually, and thought it'd be a good time to kind of give our listeners an update on some of the discussion going on there. So, William, Carla, welcome. Hi, thanks, Thanks, Nick. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mitt.
0: Absolutely. Um, Carlo, why don't you kind of kick it off? I know you're, you're working some on the Title I programs. And uh, tell our listeners just a little bit about what is Title I, what's involved there, and some of the things that y'all have discussed.
1: Okay, yeah. This um, working group is made up of members from Louisiana, Montana, Texas, Alabama, New York, Wisconsin, and California. And so as we look at Title I, we're looking at all the things that, you know, whether it's dairy or row crops and the things that are set out in the Farm Bill. And, you know, what do we look as being possible issues and what are our priorities as we move forward?
0: Okay. Very good. William, how about your role? Yeah, so uh, I'm working
2: on the Title II uh, working group, which is all of your conservation programs. Um, Think of that as CRP, EQIP, CSP, or CPP, the Ag Conservation Easement Program, uh, as well as some general carbon discussion.
0: Okay. Very good. And I think the most recent farm bill had a feral line pilot program yes yeah, it did. yeah it did. that thing, was so. that
2: was in one of the miscellaneous programs and yep. um we, that's been uh, kind of a key issue
0: for us as we've had our, our meetings as we've gone through the past few months okay well one of the things that, that we know as, as these discussions start to take shape is we always have to be mindful <clears throat> of the funding side of the 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 bill so what resources are going to be available out there and i know carla y'all have talked a lot in your farm bill working group about you know steps to take to make sure that there will be adequate funding to make sure we're able to deliver on these programs that are so important to our farmers
1: right one of the things we're definitely concerned with is protecting the current farm bill um, program spending we know current administration is pulling uh, pushing a lot of new climate programs, and we want to make sure that if any of those are put into the Farm Bill, it's with new funding and not with any of the existing funding.
0: That makes sense, um, you know, as, as we look at, at bringing new things in, a lot of times with federal legislation, it's they use what's called pay for. So if you add something new, you pay for it by taking something away somewhere else, and I'm glad to hear that y'all are putting an emphasis on protecting those programs that are so vital um, as, as a safety net for our producers. William, on the conservation side, I know y'all have talked a lot about working lands programs versus land retirement type programs, and um, tell our listeners just a little bit about kind of what that means in general terms, and then some of the specifics that y'all have talked about.
2: Yeah, so for... Our working to or working group uh, for Title II, we kind of tackled a little bit differently than I think Carlos' group did, and we have broken up into some smaller groups and are looking at um, individual programs. Uh, so within our working group, I'm looking specifically at CRP with some folks from Montana, um, Idaho, Illinois, um, and I believe Nebraska, uh, and we're, we're really digging down deep onto um, CRP programs to really see what works, what dozen of what we can improve on. Uh, We had our first or I guess our our only subcommittee meeting uh, last week Uh, and like you mentioned uh, our priorities are are pretty simple. Um, First we want to make it uh, shift it more into a working lands model uh, meaning that programs or lands that are enrolled in CRP can be still be utilized by the farmer uh, in a way that's sustainable uh, meaning you know if it is a protected grassland it can still be grazed in a way that, that protects native species and endangered species uh, while also benefiting the farmer and society. Uh, in our mind, there's no reason to cut out um, fertile land or productive land and, and not get any use out of it all. Um, so. Yeah, main, main thing there is, is shifting to a working lands group, and then we're also looking at increasing flexibility uh, for these programs. For Alabama specifically, a lot of our CRP land is tied up into uh, pine plantations, uh, which really ties land up for 30 years, which really hurts. Uh, kind of our young and beginning farmers when they're trying to compete to lease land, it's hard to outbid uh, the federal government there. So um, one of the things we're looking for is some flexibility in some of these programs and, and hopefully kind of um, bring that, that contract down from 30 years to, to uh, something a little more manageable to where we can keep that land in a working production system.
0: Very good. Well, you know, one thing I, I don't want folks to take away as we're talking here, and I think it may be a good time to kind of set up the rest of our discussion, but um We're talking primarily about Title I programs, which are crop support type programs and then conservation programs. But the Farm Bill is a lot bigger animal than just those two topics. Those are the two that we're kind of dealing with today, but the Farm Bill um, handles everything from nutrition policy Um, Trade policy, there's a research title that a lot of the uh, investments made in agricultural research come from. So um, I don't want our our folks to walk away thinking that, that what we've talked about today really even scratches the surface of what all a farm bill does. Um, but I will point out, you know, when you look at the total farm bill spending, all of the things that we're talking about today make up a very, very small percentage of that overall outlay. The nutrition side of the bill does make up close to 80% now, I think, Carla, of, of what the total expenditure is over, over the, the life of a farm bill. So, um, but we did want to kind of drill into to a couple of these areas. Um, Carla, what else on the Title I standpoint have y'all kind of looked at as priorities?
1: I think um, listening to the states and to some of the national groups, reference price is definitely something that all commodities are pushing for, as well as possible loan rate increases. When you look at the availability and the input costs that these producers are putting in, having that increase some is something that's definitely being pushed, and all the states seem to be agreeing on that, as well as the national groups.
0: Yeah, I think you know this year especially, you know, commodity prices are good. Um, mm-hmm. There's no doubt that when you look at, at corn, beans, you know, you go down the list, commodity prices are certainly higher than than previous years. But the input costs are, are really a concern, and what it, what what these farmers are putting at risk every year now to produce that crop. I think they are being more mindful of making sure that we've got some protections there. You know, the the Title I programs really work hand-in-hand, hand, ideally, with the crop insurance provisions. Um, crop insurance is permanent law, but um, certainly the Farm Bill does provide an opportunity to look at updates or revisions on the crop insurance side of things as well. Let's take a quick break here, hear from our sponsors, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about timeline and maybe some of the politics that may be involved in moving this next Farm Bill across the finish line.
2: It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit, and while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops.
0: Because sometimes your natural
2: resources need financial resources.
0: And welcome back. We are uh, spending a few minutes today talking with Carla Hornady and William Green from the Government and Agricultural Programs Department here at the Federation about the outlook for the next Farm Bill. Um, We've covered a lot of ground on uh, Title I and kind of what some of the priorities are being identified through the American Farm Bureau Federation uh, Working Group and William Green who is working on the conservation side of things in in a similar um, committee. Carla, as we kind of look at the process as this goes forward, these are staff level um, conversations that are happening now with, with staff representing the different farm bureaus tell us how that process is going to work moving forward those recommendations will go from from the staff level discussions to where
1: well we'll start with the four subcommittees are have definitely had these discussions and then we will come back all four subcommittees will meet in may and go over each um priority to kind of make a priority list so that when the um AFBF council of presidents meets in july they can be given a priority list as the group all together not just you know each subcommittee but as the um committee and then they're able to go back those presidents are able to go back to their states and their members and talk about some things and get some ideas together and then in october they feel like then the presidents could possibly report back on if there are any issues with those priorities in their states or if they're on board with what the committees have come up with
0: yeah and i think that's a good plan that that you guys have kind of laid out um, along with your counterparts from other farm bureaus i think there's a general consensus in Washington, that there's a potential for some uh, change in leadership, especially on the, the House side. You know, I think the real hard decisions on this next Farm Bill probably come after the November elections when we know who is gonna be chairman and ranking members of the committee, you know, who will have the gavel, who will be speaker and who who will be dedicating this floor time to the bill. So um, I, think, I think the process is working well and then that information, once the American Farm Bureau kind of makes their decision on where to go, I think at that point is when you start seeing coalitions come together, some of the other commodity groups in Washington will start kind of, they're going through the similar process, laying out their priorities. So, you know, we'll begin to look for that common ground, uh, start building some consensus, and uh, hopefully be able to get some some support from um, those other groups on some of our priorities as well. Just as a reminder, we do have two uh, members from Alabama, Congressman Moore from down in the Wiregrass is serving on the House Ag Committee, and of course, uh, Coach Tuberville is serving on the Senate Ag Committee. So we will definitely have a, a seat at the table as these conversations move forward. William, uh, as you kind of look to, to what would be that, you know, that top line thing that we're trying to, to go after on the conservation front, I know you talked a little bit about some of those priorities, but kind of kind of sum it up for our folks.
2: Yeah, I, I think looking at all the conservation programs as a whole, we hear a lot of conversation about carbon, and I think that's going to be a, a pretty strong topic here is how we're going to navigate those waters in the Farm Bill. Um, I think too some to go along with that, um, solar panels and and solar farming uh, is how a lot of folks are phrasing it now. How do we navigate those waters as well when it comes to um, traditional ag and and some other things? But um, I kind of reiterate what I said earlier. I, I think really the main point from from us and and the subgroups I've worked on so far is is really making it a working lands program. Um, conservation is good um, and needed but if you can't feed the folks uh or you can't feed the citizens of the country then then what what good have we accomplished um i, I think that a lot of the programs could be revamped you, you know mitt and you and i have talked about it before where some of the programs like crp hasn't been changed much over the course of its lifetime and um, a lot of conversations from some of our guest speakers and our subgroups have, have really been aimed at how do we um tweak that to make it a little bit better in, in 2023
0: well carl let's kind of wrap up uh on on your side of the equation i know um You know, as we look at at some of the things that may need to be tweaked moving forward, disaster programs are something that you guys have spent a lot of time on. There are a couple of permanent disaster programs in current law, but when we have hurricane events and things like that happen, it seems like, you know, as you look across the country, whether it's a wildfire uh, in the West, um, you know, hail damage in the Midwest, uh, hurricanes in the Southeast, there always seems to be a push for additional disaster spending The problem is that it's not very timely. Um, It takes a while to to get those bills through the uh, process. Um, We've got a lot of farmers that have not been paid for disasters going back to uh, 2019 crop year. So talk a little bit about what some of the discussions y'all have had around that front.
1: Yeah, that was um, one thing that I brought to the committee, and I told them I really wasn't sure what the answer was, because like you said, it's not easy to go in and ask for new funding, but we were not alone, and those members that still have not received payment, that's kind of across the board in several areas that are still waiting, and when you look at what producers are facing currently with input costs and rise in prices and knowing they're missing a whole crop year um, worth of payment due to a disaster. They all feel like something needs to be done. And so AFBF is going to do a little research. All the states are kind of going back to their members and trying to get an idea. Is this something we ask for new funding? Is it an insurance program that we, you know, develop and find a way to make it beneficial, like the newest hurricane insurance that people seem to be pleased with? Or what is the answer to that? So at least it opened up that discussion to find out ways or hopefully find ways that will get producers paid quicker during disaster events.
0: Yeah, I think the real key to that is going to be designing a program that works in tandem with traditional crop insurance and doesn't provide some reasoning or some disincentive to, to continue to to use that product as well. So, um, well, hey, y'all have given us a lot of information here today. I know we're running short on time. Um Thank you for what y'all are doing for the members of, of our organization and really all the farmers in Alabama kind of taking our priorities to the uh, national level here. We look forward to maybe getting an update from y'all in the coming months as we go forward with this process. So um, with that, Carla, William, thank y'all. Appreciate our listeners being with us this week, and we'll see you again next week. And now, your weekly Ag cash wrap-up. Welcome back for the weekly wrap-up. This week, we are thrilled to be able to introduce all of our listeners to a new staff person here at the Alabama Farmers Federation. We're excited to introduce you all to Colton Christian. Colton's coming to us from a career in the poultry industry and uh, just real excited to have Colton coming on board. Colton, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Mitt.
3: Um, I just want to thank everybody for the opportunity that that I've had so far. Um, Originally from Calhoun County, Alabama. Uh, Born and raised in agriculture through 4-H and FFA, through showing pigs, uh, livestock judging and uh, whatnot, but uh, went to Auburn and hopes to be a veterinarian one day. Didn't work out, and so I got into meat science, which is a curriculum under the animal sciences division. Um, Got my bachelor's and my master's in meat science, which uh, basically is everything from how you get from pasture to plate and all the science in between. As soon as I graduated with my master's uh, in 2017, I went to work in the poultry industry at Wayne Farms, been there for the past five and a half years, and God led me in a new direction to work here at at Alpha and and just look forward to the future. My wife, she's been a big part of this whole process, and uh, we live in Coffee County, Enterprise, Alabama, with a little girl, uh, Lillian, she's 10 months old, and like I said, we're just very blessed, very thankful, and looking forward to the future.
0: Colton, one thing that, that you and I have talked about a lot through this process is your passion for serving others. Talk a little bit about that and how you think that might benefit you in this role. Right. It's,
3: uh, it's something that, that I've always believed in something that comes natural to me. My biggest source of leadership comes from Jesus Christ, you know, and how he, he led and and serving others. And, uh, that's just how I live my life. And I get more gratitude and, uh, and proudness out of helping others instead of helping myself so if i can elevate others above myself and that's a that's a good day for me
0: great well hey we're looking forward to it that's going to serve you very well as you go out there and work with our pork poultry and dairy divisions Uh, again welcome we're excited to have you here and wow it's something else to get to record one of these on your very first day on the job so thank you for for being here and look forward to great things to come colton thank you mitt Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.